Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Father, thank you for this time together as we look at 1 Samuel 29. We look at David and uh, the pickle that he's in with being in Philistine territory under the leadership of Achish and and now um, armed forces begin to gather for battle, and he's in a tough spot. And, and we're going to watch you uh, deliver him from that and foreshadow our coming deliverer, coming to David, but he already came to us, and um, he's coming again. And as we prepare our hearts to hear this message, just clear away all the garbage, all the stress, all the stuff that might keep us from having our eyes focused on you. And let us have open ears to what you would say to us tonight, Lord. In this chapter um, where uh, we find David foreshadowing the Messiah, I pray that you would just show us wonderful things from your word and encourage us tonight as your people. In our faith, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, open it to 1 Samuel 29. We've been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through 1 Samuel. We took a break last Wednesday as we looked at the Day of Atonement together with Dr. Green. We're back in 1 Samuel 29, and uh, here's how it begins. 1 Samuel 29, verse 1 says, Now the Philistines, these guys keep showing up over and over and over again. If you look up their name in one of your Bible dictionaries, their name means immigrants or, I've heard others say, invaders. The Philistines are prominent in the book of Judges, prominent in 1 Samuel, the enemies of Israel. And they have gathered together, 29.1, all their armies to Aphek, while the Israelites were camping by the spring, which is in Jezreel. Now we don't know the spring specifically, but uh, Saul probably did this as a water source. It was some sort of fountain, some sort of spring in this valley. And so he's got his army there, the Philistines are gathering in this corner, the Philistines, ding, 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 ding. In this corner, Israel. And this happens over and over and over again. Now, what we have is we have a couple of days that um, we're going to be able to look back. So our author takes us back a couple of days to set the stage. And what we learned at the beginning of chapter 28 was the Philistines were gathering for war. Go back just one chapter to the first verse, 28.1. Now, it came about in those days that the Philistines gathered their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, and now David is under Achish's authority and covering, know assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. Now, David in chapter 27 had gone to the land of the Philistines. Pastor Chris taught us that chapter, a very difficult chapter. And he went there because he finally threw up his arms and said, Saul's going to kill me. He's going to be my undoing. I'm going to travel to the land of the Philistines. So he did that. He came under the uh, covering of the king of Gath. There were five Philistine lords. He was over the area of Gath. And he said, I need a place. I need you to to be my protection, and the king allowed him to do so. And so he was given a specific place, and he was made something like a vassal king. He was given a territory, and David had 600 men, and he had a reputation, and he was strong. And so the Philistine king says, yes, you can come, but there's a cost. Now the the question that came up when Pastor Chris preached this message to us a few weeks back was, why did David do that? Why didn't he seek the Lord? 
And my only answer to that is because he was human. He was sick of Saul. He was sick of running. And he finally threw up his hands and he was sick of waiting. And he said, I'm going to go into Philistine territory because I don't think that Saul is going to bother me there anymore. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm sure we've all been there before. David's been extremely patient. He's had opportunities to kill Saul. He did not do it. But he had a very human moment. We've all been there before. Even though he is a foreshadowing of the Messiah, the anointed one, he was still human. He was not sinless. He was David, imperfect. And so that's where he went. And there was a cost to go into the Philistine territory. And the cost was, now you're going to become the servant of another king. And for David, it probably wasn't much of a problem. After all, Saul wasn't a very good guy to serve. He had tried to be faithful to Saul, and all Saul wanted to do was throw javelins at him at meals and try to kill him. So he had to be thinking, our sworn enemy has got to be better than this guy. I've done everything to prove to him that I'm faithful. Some of you have bosses like this. (laughs) You've done everything. You're early. You leave late. You think they notice. And then you only get called in when you've done something wrong. And then you consider relocation. (laughs) You start looking at property in other places, job opportunities. Why? The problem is that people are everywhere. Their weaknesses, their idiosyncrasies, they're everywhere. They're in the church, they're in companies, they're in cars next to you on the freeway. They're everywhere. It's true. So what we have to do is adjust ourselves to the reality that we have to love people and ask God to give people patience with us as well. So Saul sees all this happening. David's gone into the Philistine territory. Saul's gotten a view of the armed encampments of the Philistines, and Saul's reaction was terror. He was very afraid, and so he started to try to get answers from God in the emergency. But there was a problem God had departed from Saul. He was no longer speaking to Saul. And Saul got so desperate that he broke his own law. He broke the Torah law. He broke his own law. And he sought out, do you remember? A medium. He found the sign with the palm reader, the arrow pointing. You can come in here (laughs) for the low price of $100, I'll tell you. And so she she says, who do you want me to call up? And Saul says, uh, Samuel. And she was shocked because Samuel showed up. And maybe she was shocked because it never worked before. I don't know. But all of a sudden, she says, you're Saul. And and Samuel's message to Saul is not exhilarating at all. In fact, Samuel says, tomorrow, you and your sons are going to be with me. You're going to die tomorrow. That's not what one would expect going to a fortune teller or a seance or whatever, but Christians, and I'll tell you this, some people came up to me a few weeks back and had additional questions, and it's intriguing territory. Don't mess with it. Don't open the door to the occult. In fact, I will tell you something. After I preached that message uh, several Wednesday nights ago, I went home and got a telephone call from a concerned family where weird stuff was going on in their home. This stuff happens, folks. You don't want to open the door to it. So here's Saul. 
Samuel appears. I believe it was truly Samuel. I believe it was God allowing Samuel to speak a word of judgment to Saul. And when the word came, Saul was devastated. He fell on the ground. He refused to eat. And it was the the witch, the medium, and the couple of servants that were there that encouraged him to get some food. And out into the night went Saul. A dark night. In fact, that was his final meal. And that was his last night on this planet. So that's Saul. So that's kind of the in-between story. So David's in this pickle. Philistines are gathering for war. He's been in Philistine territory. And now the Philistine king is not making a suggestion. He's making a command. 28.1, he says, Know assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. You're coming with me. And what has David heard among the ranks of the Philistines? Who are they going to battle? The people he's supposed to be king over. That's a pickle. And now the covering of the Philistine king of Gath, he's told you, you're going to march with me. And by the way, David's become his bodyguard. There's there's a relationship that's developed. David's been over there, uh, I think it's 14 months now. And there's enough of a relationship where at least Achish trusts David, although he shouldn't trust David, because David's deceived him. David's gone out and raided ancient enemies of the Philistines, and then when he came back, having killed everybody, he told him that he did it to the people of Israel or the cities connected with Judah, but he lied to him. But he brought back a lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of animals, and a lot of uh, stuff was coming back to the king, and sometimes money can blind you to reality, right? The love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of what? All sorts of evil. How many people are blinded by money? Well, David brought in some profit, and uh, Achish continues to trust David. In fact, he makes him literally the keeper of my head. That's the word bodyguard in Hebrew. And I told you a few weeks back, I'm not sure I would hire David to be the keeper of my head if I was a Philistine. Because David's got a reputation. He's already cut off the head of a prominent Philistine. His name is... Goliath. And David said, Goliath down. And he did. And he cut off his head. That's a little King James humor for you. And anyway, there it was. Somehow, Achish has talked himself into believing that David's presence there is cool for his career. In fact, David is now his bodyguard and his 600 men are there. And David now has been told by this king, you are going to march with us. Now, what's David have to be thinking at this point? He's gotten a little respite from Saul. Saul has not pursued him while he's been under the covering of Achish, but there's a cost, and the cost is now the Philistine king has some demands of you. You're going to march with us against your own people. And the lords of the Philistines, 29.2, pick up with me, 29.2. The lords of the Philistines, there were five lords that ruled different uh, areas or cities, were proceeding. They, they were in some sort of procession, maybe overlooking the troops, proceeding on by hundreds and by thousands. So there was a lot of them and they were orderly. And David and his men were proceeding on in the rear with Achish. They apparently were behind the troops of the Philistines, guarding them. Imagine troops walking in unison, as you sometimes see you know, in city streets. They're marching along together. And then at the trail of the troops of the Philistines, going out to battle Israel, is David, the, the most prominent warrior in Israel, the one who has slain his 10,000s, right? And he's marching with the enemy, 
And I don't know if what the small talk was in the back of the line. What do you think? What is going on? I don't know. But here they march. And they were going on by hundreds and by thousands. And David and his men were there, marching in the rear, going along. Sometimes uh, Christians are in the back of the line going along with the crowd. Sometimes we don't even know why we're there. And sometimes it's, it's the people around us who ask us, aren't you a Christian? What are you doing in this line? I don't know. I just, I'm just marching. My friend invited me over here and told me Akish is a pretty cool dude. And, you know. and so there they are. Then the commander of the Philistines said, so the commanders were the military men. Picture them as the ones over the hundreds and thousands. And the commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? So at least somebody is paying attention, right? You know, you're, you're marching in line and there's, there's little talk that begins to spread throughout the, the lines. And hey, do you know who's back there? David, the king of Israel, or at least the coming king. The, the warrior, the one who killed our giant. What is he doing behind us? I don't know. Tell the commander he's back there. And that's basically what's going on. And they said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul? What does he call him? The king of Israel? Well, that, well that's David, you guys. You know him, right? You've seen his poster around, haven't you? You've seen the poster with him cutting off the head of Goliath. It's everywhere. It's a movie coming out, you know. You know who he is. Apparently, Achish does not see the irony here. <laughs> he's been with me these days, or rather these years. He's, he's uh, inflating the numbers here because it was 14 months. And I have found, what? I found no fault in him. From the day he deserted to me to this day. He defected from Saul for understandable reasons. And I've been watching him and I'll tell you this. I find no fault in him. Sound familiar? There was another pagan leader who said that. He said that, by the way, in the book of Luke and the book of John. And this is so cool. He, in Luke's account and John's account, says it three times. I find no fault in him. And Achish, the king of Gath, says of David three times in this account, I find no fault in him. But I hear some of you thinking, but wait a minute. There is fault in him. He's lied. In fact, there wasn't, it wasn't that many chapters ago that he showed up in the same region to the same king. And he acted like he was bananas. Do you guys remember that? He was afraid of the king. He let drool run down his beard. By the way, that means David had a beard, at least at this time, which is interesting because we don't get that many descriptions of people's physical appearance, but David had a beard, at least at this time. And he let the drool run down his beard and he started drawing pictures on the gates. <laughs> he acted like he was nuts. And Achish said, I don't need another crazy man in the house, all right? Can I get a witness? Some of your uh, family? Friends of your children? Anyway, we won't go there. So, but, so David got out, but he was, he was deceptive. How is it that Akesh buys that he's this normal dude now and all of his intentions are good? 
You might be saying, well, how could David be proclaimed as having no fault? Because from the perspective of Achish, there was no fault in him. David's character was trustworthy. And by the way, from the perspective of heaven, there's no fault in you. You are blameless before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible teaches in Romans 3, 4, and 5 that the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been put into your account by your faith in Christ and your sin was put on him at the cross. And I watch Christians say, yeah, maybe, maybe, because we struggle with that. Right now before the Father, I am blameless, yes, because you are cleansed, covered by the work of the Son. And as Pastor or Dr. Green taught us last Wednesday, Jesus could have said something, but he covered his mouth. He could have, he could every single moment of every day be talking about my faults, but he doesn't. In fact, when I'm accused in heaven by the accuser of the brethren, he is my defense attorney. My sentence has been paid in full. When we come to the table tonight, that's what I want you to remember. If you're a Christian, you are faultless before the throne. Not because you're so great, but because he is great. Amen? Now, he does want you to become better. He does want you to grow in holiness. It's not an excuse for sin, but it's the glory of who we are in Christ. And so these questions now begin to fly in the Philistine camp. What are they doing here? And Achish says, I find no fault in him. If you're interested, Pilate said that in Luke 23, 4 of Jesus, in Luke 23, 15, and Luke 23, 22. When he had said it the third time, why, what evil has he done as they yelled, crucify him? I, f- I found no reason for death uh, in him. I therefore will chastise him and let him go. But they wouldn't let him. They overwhelmed his desire to let Jesus go. And he said over and over again, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. And Pilate was right because Jesus never sinned. But Pilate did not completely understand who Jesus was. Because he asked him in John 18, are you a king? And Jesus said, you say rightly I'm a king. For this purpose, I've come into this world, I've been born, I've, been, I've come into this world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Pilate would, be, would fit in well on college campuses today. He would be another relativist in the long line of people who say, what do words mean anymore? Is there such a thing as truth? I mean, that's what people are saying these days, folks. In the high levels of academia, is there such a notion as truth? Whose truth? Right? That's what we're dealing with now. But even there, had Pilate understood Jesus was a king, he said that, but he said, my kingdom is not of this world. For If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would be fighting. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate goes out right after that and says, I find no fault in him. There's nothing wrong with this guy. He does not deserve to die. And I told you that even though David is imperfect, he continues to cast the shadow of the coming anointed one, the greater David, the one who would deliver us from our sin. 
There was no sin in him. No deceit was found in him. He was sinless. And so the word is going back and forth. The commanders of the Philistines were angry. Uh, Verse 4, furious is the idea with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, make the man go back that he may return to his place. Maybe all the lines of marching have stopped and everybody's listening to the conversation where you have assigned him. Do not let him go down to to the battle with us lest in the battle he become a Satan to us, an adversary. Literally, this is where we get the idea of Satan, an adversary to us. For with what could this man make himself acceptable to his Lord? You say he's a defector? I'll tell you how he'll get out of the doghouse and back into Saul's good graces with our heads. He's done it before. And we think he may do it again. You know, if a people group has a precedent of acting a certain way, don't be surprised if they do it again. (laughs) Hello? I mean... I think somebody's probably rubbing Akish's head with a knuckle. Hello? This has happened before. He's cut off the heads of our people. Do you not understand the danger of him in the back of the line with 600 of his warriors? Well, Akish has tried to defend David, but they're saying make him go back. In fact, uh, in an earlier scene in this book, Uh, when Israel fights against the Philistines because of Jonathan's faith with his armor bearer, even people who had defected and gone into Philistine territory, when they saw Israel winning, they began to fight against the Philistines as well. And uh, people remember that stuff. Didn't you read that article when we heard, you know, that's what they're basically saying. And so they're saying, make him go back. Is this not David, verse 5, Look at the pagans know our songs, folks. Is this not David of whom they sing in the dances saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David, what? Keyword, slain. Akish, did you hear that? The song says he kills people. (laughs) Hello, that's an indication. (laughs) He has, Saul has slain his thousands. Here's the hit song. And David, his ten thousands, they dance to it. It's at every one of their big bar mitzvahs. <laughs> it's not the literal language, but anyway. Do you know that non-believers know our songs? They know what they say. They, they, do you know that if you started to sing a cappella, Amazing Grace, everybody in the room knows the words? Why do they know those words? Do you know that non-Christians secretly listen to Christian radio stations? They do. In fact, this last week I had one of them tell me that. I listen. Wow. Why do you listen? To get angry (laughs) at a God I don't believe in. They know the song. And the content of the song is quite revealing. This dude kills Philistines. That's their song. I mean, it can't get any more plain than this, can it, folks? Then Akesh called David and said to him, Akesh is sounding pretty spiritual, right? He's sounding almost like he's a man of, who believes in Yahweh. He says, as the Lord lives. <laughs> wow. 
Have you noticed that sometimes if you hang around unbelievers, they'll start using church language? Now, it takes them a while. <laughs> because over the years, I've played racquetball with unbelievers, and they'll let expletives fly. And I'm not surprised when unbelievers curse around me because it's to be expected. But they'll say, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'll say, you may kiss my ring. And I'll, I'll throw some, hold on, let me get my water. Anyway. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Cameron Thomas here. And I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael. And we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now. It's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron. And it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time, 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel. We'll have podcasting where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything? Last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys... Keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer. And join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. LivingTruthRadio.org Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.